do such a good job. Awesome. I should have uh, should have been paying attention to what I was doing. I was so enamored by my lovely little wife as so she was wrapping up. I'm like, oh, I got to get up there in a second. I'm just enjoying the announcements thoroughly. But anyways, cool. I'm excited to get into this this morning. Uh, thank you all for being here. Um, I'm always so grateful for the opportunity to share what God's been showing me through the Bible and my time in prayer and how it plays out living life with you all. So, uh, so thank you for being here. Thank you, Pastor Andy, for getting into God's Word together. So far, it's been an incredible morning because our drummer, Boston Olsen, is back. That was awesome. I don't know. He, he disappeared, you know. Playing drums for God is exhausting, so he has to go refresh. But I thought that was really awesome, and those guys just did a fantastic job uh, leading worship this morning. So thank you for that, guys. Um, we're on foundational, rooted type of series, and uh, week seven is, How Can I Make the Most of My Life? Part two. And so that's what we're going to get into, and, and uh, there's just something so exciting about asking that question. How can I make the most of my life? Now, questions open doors and cause our brains to start finding solutions to whatever the problem might be. And what an incredible question to be asking. How can I make the most of my life? It's a powerhouse of a question. And if asked with genuine and intense curiosity, has potential to radically transform your life. But just asking the question, how can I make the most out of my life, only has the potential to change your life. It creates the possibilities, but possibilities and potential won't change our lives if we don't take action. And so I have a couple of guys, they're going to be handing out these fun little shovels. Um, yeah, go ahead, guys. So one down here, one down here. So these are going to come into play throughout this morning. Can I have one too? Kenneth, thanks, man. These are going to come to play. Oh, here you go. Uh, so, so what's funny about these shovels is I was trying to take after Pastor Andy and order cute little keychains. <laughs> To, to put on our keys, but if you, have, if you can't tell, these are massive. There's like, there's no way these are going to work on a keychain. And so uh, I'm interested to find out as the weeks unfold how each of you ends up using this. Here's my, th- here's my suggestion, because we're going to be getting into digging our own wells, talking about Bible time, talking about prayer, talking about community. My suggestion with this is in the morning when you're reading your Bible, use it as a stir stick. Okay, so it gets big enough to like eat yogurt with if you wanted to. You could have ice cream with it at night when you're doing your Bible's time. So hold on to this. This will be coming to play a little bit later as we dig into this message. And so those guys are passing those around. We should have enough. So how can I make the most of my life? That is what we're getting into this morning. And we're going to be working through a large portion of Genesis chapter 26 and unpack the truth of digging our own wells in life. We're going to learn from a man named Isaac who was called by God, who uh, was opposed and blessed and all these different things and continued to dig, even with violent oppression and opposition, continued to dig uh, to make the most of his life. And out of that room was created for him not just to survive, but to flourish, to thrive. And that's what we're going to get into this morning. So I just want to pray. God... Thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you, God, for your word that guides us, that leads us, that we can unpack and dig into to find out how to make the most of our lives. Thank you for it. Pray that you be with us, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So, how can I make the most of my life? So, 
It's hard to imagine today with 80 degrees and sunny blue skies and warm, comfortable weather that three years ago this month was the great freeze of 2021. Thank you. That's great. We have all, I know we're all shocked. Oh my gosh. We've worked so hard to forget that situation and that memory. But some of you, I know that when the lights flicker, you have a little mini panic attack. (laughs) It's happening again. Oh God, be with us. I think the most stressful part about that week, though, was the lack of water. I was depot and tried to find cases or bottles of water anywhere that I could find water. It was so stressful for me, and, and I think a lot of us experienced that. And, and it got to a point, if you remember, where FEMA actually showed up, of all places, at a water park in Pflugerville to hand out cases of water. And so it, that great freeze, it just highlighted the, the necessity for water. We need it to survive. And as we'll see in Genesis 26, water is essential for us to thrive as well. And before we dig into Genesis 26, um, there's a couple of things that we need to uh, look at about how to make the most of our lives and when it comes to digging our, our own well. And so I want to point out a few of these possibilities here on this next slide, uh, what it looks like to dig our own well. And water helps us to thrive and survive physically, but these will help us to survive and thrive spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. It's Bible time, one-on-one time with God, spending time with the Father in prayer, and community time. And, And as we go, we'll unpack, we'll fill those blinks in. But I wanted to lay that foundation of, of how important these things are, and, and we'll fill those three essentials in as we go. But uh, right now, I'm just super excited to get into Genesis 26 with you because there's just so many clues in this story of what it looks like to dig our own wells and so much that we can learn from and apply to our own lives. And so let's get into it, starting in verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and bless you. For to your descend- you and your descendants I will give all these lands and confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham." Now, there's a lot of names and a lot of history and a lot of context there that we're not going to unpack this morning. It's just we don't have the time to get into it. But Isaac is a a main figure throughout the Bible, and he was called by God to, to be a part of the story that God is writing. And it's the same story that we're a part of as well. And we have our own roles to play, and we have our own wells to dig, just like Isaac and just like him, we'll be faced with opposition as we dig in to make the most of our lives. So there was a famine in the land. Now, famines occur when there's a lack of food. And for a lot of us here in America and in our communities, there's not really a lack of food. We're not experiencing a famine of food. But it's evident, if you look around, that there's a lack of peace. There's a lack of purpose. There's a famine happening all around us, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, And people are desperate for peace. They're desperate for purpose. I read an article recently from Time, and it said that U.S. mental health is getting worse by multiple metrics. Suicide rates have risen about 30% since 2000. Almost a third of U.S. adults now report symptoms of either depression or anxiety, roughly three times as many as in 2019. 
And about one in 25 adults has a serious mental illness like bipolar or, uh, disorder or schizophrenia. As of late 2022, just 31% of adults considered their mental health excellent, down from 43% two decades earlier. 69% of Americans are not excelling in their mental health. There's a famine in the hearts and minds and souls of people all around us that medicine and therapy aren't changing. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking those things. I've gone through therapy and found it extremely valuable. But this is clearly an uphill battle that a lot of people are losing. What chance do they have? What hope do they have? It's Christ in you. Colossians 1:27 says that God chose us to make known to people that don't know God the glorious riches of an awesome mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This means that God has placed each one of us in the lives of people to bring hope, to bring peace, as we live out our lives and live out the purpose that God has for each one of us. We make the most of our lives, digging in, to God's word in our Bible time, by receiving love from God in our one-on-one time, and by experiencing and, and celebrating the pain and the joy of life in community. And as we do these things, as we dig in to make the most of our lives, our knowledge of God grows, our relationship with God grows, and we're enabled to actually bring peace and to give people clarity and direction for their lives. Because just like God said with Isaac that he's with him, God is with us. We have his word. We have time to spend with him in prayer. We have each other to lean on and to to learn from and to, to share what God is doing in our lives. So even though there was a famine in the land, God told Isaac to stay and promised that he would bless Isaac. Now picking up in verse 12, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Boom! Blessed! End of story, right? There was a famine. God told him to stay. He stays. He plants his crops. He reaps a hundredfold. Like, do you know how much a hundredfold return is? It's not a hundred percent return. That would be twofold. A hundredfold is 10,000 percent return. So this guy's rolling in it. He's doing great. He listened and obeyed. He said, he said, you know what, cousin? Staying in the land during the famine is my business, and business is booming. But he was so successful. He's doing so well that the people around him, the enemies around him became insanely jealous. And a series of events are about to unfold that will set the example for us on how we can make the most out of our lives by digging in to what God has for us. In verse 15, so uh, the Philistines were jealous. In verse 15, so all the wells that uh, his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Now, this part of the world that Isaac is in, it's in the Middle East. And the people, when they lived there, they depended heavily on wells for water. And when they are filling in these wells, 
It's essentially an act of war. It's a desperate attempt to not just push Isaac out, but to destroy him. You can't live without water. You can't thrive without water. And so as they did this, they were making a stand against Isaac, opposing him, resisting him, and wrongfully forcing him out of where God had called him to be. And not just that, but the king was, uh, was threatened and ordered him away as well. And so how many times in our lives are things going so well and we're experiencing a hundredfold blessing and all these things are happening that just seem to be just miracles, and they are. And then all of a sudden we experience an attack, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, some relational breakdown, something happens. It's like the closer that we get to God, the more that the enemy wants to come against us. And that's a very real thing. And, and guess what? It's nothing new. It happened to Isaac. It'll happen to you. Don't be shocked when that happens. Don't give up digging when the opposition comes. When the resistance comes, don't give up. Keep on digging. Because as we'll find out as we get into this a little bit more, God will use these things in miraculous ways to prove himself powerful, loving, kind. Isaac's servant, so he moves away, right? He moves away because he got forced out. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, this water is ours. So he named the well Essek because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well. They quarreled over that one also, so he named it Sitna. So the wells that Isaac's dad had dug are filled in with dirt, unusable. He's wrongfully forced out, and when he tries to dig his own wells, twice they're overtaken by the enemies. We can see here how Isaac is recognizing how violently things are escalating. That first well, Essek, is, is, means contention. So there's just a, a contention. They're just kind of quarreling. They're fighting. They're contending. So he's like, okay, things are heated. I'm going to move on. And he goes to the next well, which he calls Sitna, which means strife and a hostile adversary. And that word Sitna, if you get down to the root of where that uh, name comes from, it comes from the root Hebrew word for Satan, right? So Isaac was experiencing hostile opposition. Not just, uh, we're going to argue over this, but experiencing the type of opposition that was trying to destroy him completely. And you might think, well, then just give up, man. Like, the king's against you. You're getting pushed out. You know what I mean? Like, just give up. You have all these, like, just give up. But he doesn't give up. He continues to dig, and he continues to get after all that God has for him. And it, it's, it's, water is scarce. It takes a lot to dig a well. It's not just drilling a hole into the ground like we have. I mean, these guys... You know, thousands and thousands of years ago, they have shovels and maybe some ropes and some pulleys. And to dig down into the water is a lot of work. So having to do that, not once, not twice, but twice, is insane. It's almost a sure, it's a death sentence. So after his wells are dig, uh, filled in, and the two that he gets pushed out, in verse 22, it says that he moved on from there and dug another well. And no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. When you are wrongfully forced out and violently opposed, as you're getting after and digging into everything that God has for you, 
do not give up. Do not give up. Keep digging. God has a place for you to flourish, for you to live out all that he has for you. If we keep digging, we don't give up. That word flourish in there is the same word in Genesis 1-2 where God told Adam and Eve to flourish, to go and to make the most of our lives. And God has always had a purpose for our lives, even from the beginning. All throughout the Bible, the message is the same. Flourish. Make the most of your life. We have to keep digging our wells and not giving up to flourish, no matter the resistance, no matter the hostile opposition, and why wouldn't we? God is with us. Like, we cannot lose sight of that, that God is with us, that he's called us to do this. Continuing, that night, the Lord appeared to him, to Isaac, and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Do not be afraid. God is with you. Asking that question, how can I make the most of my life, is a serious question. It's a big question. It's one of those existential questions. How do I make the most of my life? I've got 60 years left, but how do I make the most of it? Whatever, right? How do I make the most of my life? It's a serious question. And when we ask God, when we ask this question, we have to be ready for what the answer is going to be. And it might not be what we expect. There's a story in the, in the Gospels, the New Testament, of a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, Hey, listen, I'm super wealthy. I've done a lot of good things. I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. What do I do for, to make the most of my life? And Jesus tells him, Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler sadly walked away from Jesus. And Jesus goes on to say that whatever you give up for the sake of his kingdom, you will reap a reward. You will reap the ability, the opportunity to make the most of your life, eternal life. Back to Isaac in Genesis 26, starting in verse 26. And this is where things get Really good. Watch this. I love this part. Uh, <clears throat> so meanwhile, Abimelech came to him from Gerar. So, okay, pause. So this is after Abimelech sends him out, his people steals water, all these horrible things, right? He's coming to see Isaac and to talk with him, with Ahuzat, his personal advisor, and Fickle, the commander of his forces. And Isaac asked them, why have you come to me since you were hostile to send me away and sent me away? So after all of this hostility and fighting to survive, out of nowhere, the king, his personal advisor, and the commander of his forces show up on Isaac's front door. And Isaac calls them out. What are you guys doing here? Why are you here? You have no reason to be here. And watch what happens next. This is mind-blowing. They answered. This is their response. Why are you here? We clearly saw that the Lord was with you. So we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm, just as we did no harm, but always treated you well and sent you away peacefully. Now you are blessed by the Lord. Typical politician. 
totally spinning the reality of what happened to make themselves look good, to absolve themselves of any guilt or wrongdoing. Hey, we sent you away peacefully. No, nah, that's not what happened. And then after this, though, watch, my, Isaac, he made a feast with them, and they swore an oath together. And so you have to understand, these guys are terrified. They just watched as someone that they tried to destroy multiple times somehow continued to survive. And now is in a place where he's thriving and making the most of his life. And the, the treaty that they came to make, if you read that again, it's one-sided. They weren't promising not to harm Isaac. They were essentially begging Isaac not to harm them. They're making him, hey, please don't cause us harm. Because we were so good to you. Remember how good? They knew what they'd done to him, and they were terrified because they knew that God Almighty was with Isaac. He had, Isaac had God's divine direction, right, and powerful protection. And it's the same with us. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we have divine direction for our lives that might not make sense Stay in the famine, stay in the land, stay in the desert. Keep digging wells. It doesn't make sense. It's divine direction. And as we follow God and, and obey and take responsibility for what he's called us to, we have that powerful protection to heal us for when things go wrong, when we're betrayed, when we're wrongfully forced out, when we're violently opposed in, in ways that are wrong. We have God there to protect us and to get us to that place of Rehoboth, where we have room to flourish, room to thrive, room to make the most out of our lives as we keep on digging. And in all of this, Isaac's response is of mercy and forgiveness, not because he was weak and feeble, but because he knew that God was with him. He knew that God was in his corner, not just in his corner, that God was guiding him, going before him, going behind him to seek vengeance. He had too much fun and amazing stuff to do. It's the same for us. Holding on to pain, holding on to resentment, holding on to bitterness will not allow us, will not enable us to thrive, to make the most of our lives. And when we can get a hold of the, the truth that Isaac had, and remember and never forget that God is with us, that he has divine direction for our lives, and we keep on digging, we keep on showing up, we keep on doing what we need to do, digging into God's word, digging into Bible time, digging into prayer time, digging into community. It's hard. Because Isaac did not give up on the purpose of, for his life and the promise that God had with him, but kept digging. He freely enters into relationship with the people that tried to harm him, that did harm him. And so what are the painful things in your life that God might want to set you free from? What memories or experiences, what circumstances or situations might God want to bring freedom in your life for? A few years ago, I was in a situation uh, that mirrored almost identically the trauma that I had grown up in. And, and, and in that moment, it was, uh, you know, it was like someone had dropped me back in time. Like, it was like, it was surreal. It was surreal. And, and, um, and afterwards, as I was driving home, I was processing through it, and I was shocked to realize that I wasn't spiraling out emotionally, mentally, or in PTSD. 
It was incredible. I was able to enter into this type of traumatic situation that had traumatized me as a kid and be able to add value in that situation to contribute to a solution, to contribute to what was going on. And then afterwards, to be able to to walk away from it unfazed and able to continue to pray for the people involved. And I can guarantee you that there's no way I could have been helpful in that situation or even walked out of that situation unscathed if there had not been a well of one-on-one time with the Father. To be able to draw from leading up to this surprise situation, it wasn't planned, out of nowhere I'm getting pulled into it, and it was awesome because we were able to help out. And then afterwards, to be able to go back to that well of one-on-one time with the Father and process through and just thank God for how much he had healed me from. To thank God that in the middle, like I'm talking mirror, it was like press record, press play, I'm in it again, unfazed. It was incredible. And so it's, you know, even the most scary and painful things in your life, the most violent and hostile opposition shrink as our relationship with God grows. Dig into the Bible. Dig into one-on-one time and dig into the community time and watch as God creates room for you to flourish. Now, we are going to end shortly here in a few minutes, but I, I believe that God wants to create an open space for us this morning for some of you to begin to break ground in digging a well or to take up the shovel again and to continue to dig into what God has for you. The truth is, I am not your well. Pastor Andy is not your well. A televangelist is not your well. A social media influencer is not your well. We have to take up our shovels, take responsibility for our lives, take responsibility for our walk through the power of the Holy Spirit and take up our shelves and dig. And just like Isaac was able to use, unable to use his father's wells, we have to dig our own wells. And we don't do a lot of altar calls here But I do want to take a few minutes. I feel like God really wants us to take a few minutes and to reflect on this. And if you feel so inclined to take a bold step to come up here, make this an altar. What that means is we're saying, I'm setting up a place. I'm making a commitment to come to this place, to dig in, to start committing to this, to start taking responsibility. And so if you're sitting there and you want to feel called to come up and make this public thing, I'm going to be doing this, you're more than welcome to do that. But we're going to take a couple of minutes and reflect on this. So if you're here, come on up.
God, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. God, I thank you for your mercy. God, I thank you that you're always beckoning, you're always calling, you're always drawing us closer into relationship with you. I pray for each person that came up here today, and God, uh, every person who's out here this morning, God, that uh, didn't come up but is feeling your Holy Spirit draw them. God, I pray that they would begin to take those steps to, to, to dig in to what you have for them. Amen. Now, as we're wrapping up, I'll be the first to admit that digging wells is not easy. And the main purpose of digging these wells and doing this is to have a deeper and more vibrant relationship with God. That's where we make the most of our lives. And as we look at these three steps up here on how to dig your own well, take your, take your little shovel and get your little Bible out and start digging into those verses. Snap a picture of them. I'll send them to you if you need them. But start studying why these are important biblically, not just because I said so, but because God's word said so. I'm not going to give the answers. Go and dig into them on yourself. And as you're looking at these three steps, it might seem like a lot. But as we look at those steps, I want us to consider the steps that God took to have a relationship with us. Again, this is all about relationship and growing in a relationship. And in our relationship with God, he has done all of the heavy lifting, access to the Father that we didn't earn and don't deserve, but because of what Jesus has done, we're able to dig in. We're empowered by his Holy Spirit to be able to lift up the shovel and to start digging in, to, 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 to dig into the relationship that God has for us. And so digging a well isn't writing a song or painting a picture or serving at a single mom's outreach. Digging a well is first about survival. But once that well is dug, as was with Isaac and it's with us too, there's a place where we can consistently find the essentials for life. And from their room is made for us to be creative and experience all that God has for us. And the hurting and the broken people all around us can find hope and life because of Christ in you. God, we thank you so much for this morning. We look forward to what you're going to do in us through this, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.